When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, after seven games, a hard-fought comeback for the Philadelphia Flyers. They've come up short, losing a disappointing 4 to nothing Game 7 against the New York Islanders. The season is over. But Orange and Backcheck is here to talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. 69 games in, a pandemic, a stoppage, a round robin, playoff series win, and then eventual seven game play, playoff series loss. The Philadelphia Flyers 2019-2020 season is officially over after just an absolutely one to remember, not just for the hockey, but everything surrounding it. It's been an interesting one. Scott, how are you feeling one day after the loss to the Islanders to end the Flyers season? Blow the whole thing up. It's over. It's completely done. They're the worst team that ever existed. Trade Claude Drew. In fact, deport him back to Canada because he's so bad, because he didn't do anything at all. Take all these Canadian players, deport them, get them out of here, blow the whole damn thing up. I mean, that, that's you realize the reaction. You realize that means, I, that's that means we're de- Yeah, I mean, you realize that means we're deporting Carter Hart, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to blow the whole thing up and be real about it, apparently everybody wants to do that because everybody was just, they just can't believe that they lost to the Islanders. It just, (laughs) everybody today has had a hot take and frankly, I'm frigging over it. It is, it's, it's absurd. If anybody wants to take this and just get all mad about it, that's why we decided to do the podcast today instead of last night, blow off some steam. I get it. You're frustrated at the fact that we won a championship in this city. Okay, they got beat by a better team. Stop looking at the seed. I don't care if the Flyers were the one seed. They weren't a one seed. They were a one with an apostrophe next to its seed. Okay? The yeah, Islanders were a, actually a yep. better team. Yeah, I, 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 that's definitely the case. Like At the end of this season, they the regular season I'm talking about, the 69 before the, the stoppage, they were third in the Metropolitan Division. They were hanging on by a thread in that case, and, and it, it was just one of those things where they lucked into the one seed, not by uh, their force of skill, because they played very well in the round robin, 
Um, but it was just a force of luck in terms of how they the NHL decided to go about this when the return to play happened. So that's just what it came down to. Were the Flyers ever going to get the what, number one seed in the regular season if it played 82 games? Absolutely not. I doubt if there was a very, I shouldn't say absolutely not, but it was a very, very slim chance uh, because Boston was so good. Tampa Bay was right on Boston's heels. So this is what they lucked into. They lucked into a number one seed and they came into an Islanders team that we, like, albeit I underestimated, you had them picked perfectly. You had the Islanders in seven. So, I mean, the Flyers fans are waking up to, are they a good team? Yes. Are they a great team that's contending? Eh, on the cusp of it, I would say. And the Islanders yeah. are right there with them. So that's what we dealt with here when we are facing an Islanders team. Does this mean that the Islanders are going to own them for the rest of the next decade against Carter Hart? Absolutely not. Like, that's just absurd to think and absurd to think that we're going to blow up the team after the first playoff series win since 2011, 2012. And, and, and it's just, it just annoys me that these hot takes are what we get after what should be, you can be disappointed. But you can also look at the scope of what they went through and what they had to go through in adversity and isolating themselves from their families, their friends for over 60 days, I think is what it was at the end of it. Uh, and it's just, it's, you can call this season a success while also saying that there's a lot to improve that uh, can, can, can be f- not solved, but figured out for the most part in this shortened off season when we come around to back to December. Cause this is going to be, this is a quick turnaround here. That's a good thing. Yeah, without a doubt. It, you know, what cracks me up is that you have these fair weather fans that just all of a sudden just come out of the woodwork. They're not cockroaches. They're more like, I don't know. You know, if you if you have a backyard, you get those moles that just all of a sudden you walk out one morning, and there's a bunch of dirt that's all piled up <laughs> well, on your grass all well, around. Look. That's what these fair weather fans are, because frankly, with all due respect, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So when you see hot takes on Twitter because you watch six games this season and you think you know everything about the goddamn sport, you don't shut your mouth know your role, and understand is that if you listen to us, we'll tell you why they lost. We'll tell you what they need to improve upon. But don't go out there with your little hot takes thinking you know you know what you're talking about. Because if you think you'd blow up the damn team after what they did this season, you are a moron. I'll say it again. Yeah. You are a moron. Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I, we were a pro bandwagon, uh, Flyers fan to welcome them on after what w- was going on. The Phillies were still struggling. I think baseball right. was still in question mark at that point. So you gotta be like, you're welcome to come to this, but you also gotta understand what we we want to help you understand the game and not just like shove it down our Scott and I's throats of what's going on here and try to think like. Uh, I don't want to say more than us because at the end of it, we're all just hot takers and we know what we we try to sound as intelligent as possible. And we think Scott and I know the game better than most people. And I, I and to help you understand the game, that's why we're here. Um, but it, it's just like the, these this continuous notion. And it's not even just Flyers specifically. It's Philadelphia teams in general. When something doesn't go astray or doesn't or goes astray, something doesn't go right, all of a sudden you have to say, well, who can we trade for this player? And who can we get for this player? Bingo. Look, I understand the draft is important. Ron Hextall was all about the draft, and that's why we have fly, players like Ivan Provorov. And, and Well, Provorov, I believe, was a... a when was he drafted? I don't remember. It was 2015. The, 2015, so he, he was, was under Hector. 
Oh, he was a Hextall. Okay, so yeah, he was like Hextall, that's yeah. Ron Hextall was all about the draft. He got Ivan Provorov, obviously Carter Hart, Travis Konechny, all these guys, and that's fine. But you also got to understand getting the the draft is an unknown. And when you're trading away veterans like Claude, well, you again, you cannot move. Let's get while I'm on this, you cannot move Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is a Philadelphia Flyer until the end of his contract in two years, and then he can move on if he wants to. Chances are he's probably going to resign if we're being honest with ourselves. Chances are, more likely than not, he is going to be a Philadelphia Flyer for his entire career. Now, the problem or, or what people don't seem to realize in the Claude Giroux hot take era of 2020, uh, post New York Islanders loss, is that the, he has what is called, he doesn't even have just a no trade clause. He has a no movement clause. A no movement clause means that you can literally not move him. He will never play for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. He will never play for the Los Angeles Kings. He will never play for anyone other than the Philadelphia Flyers until the end of next se- two seasons from now. So let's He's not even stop subject the- to waivers. He's not even subject to waivers. So if they right. decide that they want to just waive him, they can't do it. They cannot do anything with him. He is a Philadelphia Flyer for the rest of his this contract and probably his career. So this notion that we have to cl- trade Claude Giroux because I get it. I'm going to criticize Claude Giroux throughout the course of this episode and probably our entire offseason up until we get back to hockey, hopefully into uh, December. We'll talk about the whole possibility of return to play in the regular season later in the uh, later in the offseason with COVID still on uh, wreaking uh, havoc in this nation. But like, let's just focus on right now. Claude Giroux is not going anywhere so you can improve the team but it doesn't entail that you blow up in this entire team that had one of the most successful seasons of memory and it was a lot of fun i had a blast doing this with you scott this year yeah like this was a fun season elaine vigneault was a great breath of fresh air to see into us to uh, an organization that was really struggling to find an identity and uh, av and chuck fletcher the general manager have found started to find that identity is it over is it are they happy with what uh has happened this year of course not they got they got blown off the ice by the new york islanders in game seven and really throughout the entire series they were a little lucky at the end of this to get through to game seven so i'm proud of this team by all but also recognizing that there's a lot to improve and there are going to be improvements that we're going to see and it's not going to start with the movement of claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is here to stay. Do you want to get rid of JVR? I'm happy to listen to you. Do you want to get Jake Voracek? I will probably dr- help you drive him to the airport. Scott will too. He'll, br- he'll drive shotgun. <laughs> like, come on. Like this, these, you have to understand that some of these players do can literally not be moved. And it starts with Claude Giroux. You are you gonna claw like so, someone was trying to tell me that everyone's on the table. And I said, do you include Carter Hart in that conversation? And he said, yes. And I was done with the conversation at that point because you cannot trade players like Claude Giroux and Carter Hart. And Carter Hart is a different reason because Carter Hart is a goaltender that has established himself as a number one. Can you move him? Of course, because he's on a rookie contract and doesn't have these things like a no move clause or no trade clause. So you can technically move him. Would you do it? Yes, if you got beaten over the head with a stupid stick. That's the only way you could move him. 
You'd only have so, the, you, the only way you trade him, honestly, if Connor McDavid was on the table, honestly, because that's how important yes. the goal center is to your team. You you have to give up a guy like Connor McDavid to even even begin and, the conversation with that because at his age of twenty two, you, you're yeah. not you're not getting a starting goaltender who's ready and prepared and, and who's going to be a good goaltender like Hart in this league. And I'm glad you brought that up because the, the rebuttal to this person was, uh, well, everyone has a price. Of course, everyone has a price. That's how this works. That's how sports works. Hey, but but again, the it's problem is take. that's just a hot, there's no there's no factual anything behind it. Do you really think Clef, uh, Chuck Fletcher is going to say, you know what? We had a bad second round. We went to seven games. We didn't score a goal. It's the goalie's fault. Let me let, let's trade. Let's tr- let's start throwing around Carter Hart's name and trade talks because you know we we had one year where we used them and, and and it didn't work out. We didn't win the cup in our first year. We didn't get that instant gratification. Let's go ahead and trade the kid now. You really think you know Chuck Fletcher's having that conversation with anybody? Hell no. You know, you know what's funny, Scott. When we started this podcast in, back in late September, early October, our expectations were exactly what we got at the end of this. Bingo. The expectations were going to be: we just need a playoff series win. Doesn't matter how you do it, what, who scores, who doesn't score. Like, just get a playoff series win. And the Flyers did exactly that. They beat the Montreal Canadiens, and they also added a little bonus by winning the round robin 3-0 against the top tier of the NHL in the Eastern Conference in Tampa Bay, Boston, and Washington. Great on them. So it's a successful season to some extent. You can call this a successful season and still say there's a ton of room to improve. No one in the other than the super hardcore end all be all just only focus on the Flyers fan that was calling for, no, they'll win the cup this year. No one was reasonable was calling this a Stanley Cup no, year. For nobody who Flyers. actually followed the team all year long thought they would win the cup. Even if you started Correct. from the way they came out, nobody thought they were winning the cup. Now, let, let's let's backtrack here a little bit, and that's why. Again, you know, 10 minutes ago, I called everybody morons who had a hot take. And if you're still listening, A, thank you. And B, let me explain why you're a moron, Okay. This hockey isn't a game like football where all of a sudden you can get like a quarterback and a couple linemen and then go on a Super Bowl run like the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. It it doesn't work like that. Players don't move enough. Secondly, they have a lot of different clauses where you have no trade clauses, no movement clauses. And hockey has become a game where I would say 10, 15 years ago, you'd see a lot more hockey trades, hockey moves. Now teams all build through the draft, and when they have players, they don't let them go, and it's very rare. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. says, "Oh, we need to go out. We need to get a guy who's who's gonna, you know, like you know, a guy like a Giroux. We need he needs help on the wing." Okay, do, do you really think in the pre-salary cap era, if the Flyers had a chance to go get that winger, do you think they would? Absolutely, because there was no cap. With a cap, it changes everything. Teams know for a fact that they cannot move these players around without these implications of the cap. Now, that means there's some players available. Yes, but you're going to give them a lot more to get an established player yet young because they hold so much value around the league. You know, this isn't like a – imagine like taking a guy like Aaron Nola and just trading him. You're, what are you going to get at back in return? You're not going to get another ace. You're not going to get another ace pitcher. You're, you're, right. you're going to get a couple minor league players and some and, and and some prospects who are high up there but not ready to go. Hockey players, nothing is guaranteed. You could have a guy who's drafted 10th overall and have all the concepts of the world, and he may never even touch the NHL. He might not even log a minute in the NHL. There's been plenty of guys around the league like that. It's just a completely 
different game. So your little hot take saying that they need to blow the whole thing up, exactly what do you want them to blow up? Because I don't understand at all that, oh, well, Giroud didn't do anything in the second round. Okay, well, if you go back, like Bill said, and listen from day one, yes, we predicted that they would that they could win a playoff round. This team was good enough constructed to do it. Okay, you're not going to tear up your whole roster at the deadline to make a, a playoff run in a season like this. You weren't going to do it. Secondly, we predicted they beat Montreal in six. They beat Montreal in six. We also predicted before the whole coronavirus happened, this team had enough talent to get, we didn't say win, we said get to the Eastern Conference Final. Well, guess what? They came up one win short of it. And frankly, let's be honest, if they had beaten the Islanders in Game 7, it's by some miracle, uh, they, they, weren't, they were going to lose to Tampa in five because they were, Tampa's just playing beyond belief right now. Yeah, let's let's get. And we also we also bet we also said the Islanders in seven as well. They look at it as a whole. Like this season has gone the way we predicted it because we understand and know how this team is constructed. We know what they're built. We know what their flaws are. We've watched the game a lot. So instead of getting your hot take, if you watch it during the playoffs, not understand why they win the cup and it's all Claude Giroux's fault. Sit back and listen to us, and will or and listen to other media outlets and lit and read the read the newspaper. The newspapers still exist, right? <laughs> Online, at least. yeah, it's, exactly. It's not so, like the little crunch that we used to get, like that that that, yeah. that morning wake up crunch of the newspaper as you flip through dude, it. It's dude, all online it, nowadays. It's the best. You take 10, 15 <laughs> minutes in the morning, you go in the bathroom, and you enjoy the sports section, and that's all you needed. You know what I mean? That's, that was the best I, thing in the world. I think. I so, think you and I, you and I, obviously, we have a little bit of an age difference, you and I. But at the same time, I think you and I were probably one of the last generations to like get our start in sports by reading the sports section of the newspaper oh, along dude. with our parents of course like that but that yeah the newspaper you read the headlines especially because we when we were kids our parents wouldn't let us stay up late to watch the end right. of the, the phillies game or the flyers game or anything like that you would read it the next day in my right. case what my during the playoffs like my dad would tape the final game if That's especially awesome. if it was a game seven if if whoever if a team was about to win the championship, NBA, NHL, uh, well, the Super Bowl, I would always get to watch because of how that – because that's – the NFL has it down pat in terms of marketing right. and timing and all that. But right. like any other sport, he would pop in a tape in the VCR when you would still have to put in a videotape in your in your VCR to, yep. be, you know, to, tape the, to tape the episode, and I would get to watch it the next morning or that afternoon after school. And that's how I was introduced to sports for the most part uh, – in addition to going random Phillies games, uh, so yeah. the, the, so nowadays you got to listen to us. Orange and back check is where you need to be to understand not just the sport of hockey, but the Philadelphia Flyers and where they need to go for, to be a successful 2020-2021 season and beyond. Well, let's dive into it. Let's dive into why they lost Game Seven. First of all, and, and I think it's important that people understand that they they first of all you have to look at this game as a whole. Yep. Game Five and Game Six. They weren't lucky, but they they really played at, at, against the Islanders as best as they could. They had their backs against the wall. They played desperate hockey. They were able, fortunate of not great goaltending on the opposite end. That's why Thomas Grice started last night for them. And it put the Islanders with their backs against the wall. Now, what happens is that, yes, you think, oh, you're getting Sean Couturier back in the lineup. But this this thing with, uh, with, with Limblom coming back, how much energy that's going to have. It doesn't always translate to on-ice production, and we saw that clear as day last night. The Islanders really set up their trap last night and sucked the Flyers right in. So the trap essentially is this. It's very, very – 
it's boring hockey. It's one of those things, the Devils, that's why the Flyers always had trouble, the Lindros era, like LeClaire, Lindros, Renberg. All, all those teams always had trouble playing against the Devils. Even the Lightning. Play. Even the Lightning play a similar style, not of late, but definitely in the mid 2010s and earlier. Yeah, I would say they played this trap style. Yeah, that's a one three one. That's a little different. It's not exactly a one two two. So essentially, there's two types of traps. There's one three one. So basically, it's you have one guy. Uh, the one at the first stands for the one four checker, and a lot of times it'll one three one. It's very passive, so the guy won't even pressure the puck carry. Then you have three guys, which the three guys in the neutral zone. And then you basically have one guy behind the blue line in your own end. Essentially, it's like a safety in football. Think of it that way. Yeah. One two is a little different. It's like the left wing lock. And Lou Lamorello, the president or whatever his title is nowadays with the Islanders, um, he um he 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 basically helped bring this style to the Islanders. Trotz is Barry Trotz is a great coach. You can execute it very well. They have the right players to be able to do it because it's a collaborative thing. You don't need like a Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer, like the old Devils days. You need a team effort with it. So basically the, what happens is that it's kind of the same thing against Montreal, but it was exacerbated here because Montreal didn't have as much speed and skill up front as the Islanders do. So you're that's why you see this game, the Flyers get pinned down so much because when the Flyers have to give up possession, and I'm not talking analytics possession and Corsi and Fenwick or whatever, that none of that crap matters. When you have the puck and you try to establish a forecheck, you're trying to dump it in the offensive zone. When you're talking a 1-2-2, Three guys essentially are meeting you at the blue line already, or four guys for the most part. And then what's happening is that the puck is getting dumped in the corner, and one of those guys is just peeling off and getting there because you already have your, your zone clogged up. There's no room to skate. You lose possession automatically. You can beat it with speed, but the problem is there's no speed because you have nowhere to move the puck to because not only do you have a guy on you right away, you have a guy behind him who's going to be playing the pass. So it really is a hard system to play against if you don't have a lot of speed and skill. What happens is that the Islanders can then take the puck and they can transition it into the offensive zone with their speed and get the Flyers basically flat-footed. You catch them at the blue line and you counter the other way. When you get a lead, you sit on it. You don't make it. You don't do anything more dangerous. You don't try to make any stretch passes. You just counter, you suck them in, trap them, and then counter the other way. It's it's a boring style of hockey, which is why the game was both so boring last night. But in crucial games like that, it's what wins. With the reason why the Flyers were able to break the trap, because you can break the trap. If you have a lot of speed and a lot of skill like the Islanders do, you can break a trap system. But that was the glaring thing the Flyers need now is because you could see their top six clearly does not have enough skill. It's not that these guys aren't good. They're too north-south. They don't have enough passing ability. They don't have enough speed with the way they move the puck in the offensive zone to really establish something where they can keep pressure on it. Every time that they had a chance they would get the puck down low, they'd kick it back to the point. When you collapse in front of the net, that's why they had 50 million block shots last night, the Islanders did. I think they had overall, they had, uh, they'd see, they had, they had 22 blocks last night. And they had a lot of blocks during the series. So, the Flyers were getting shots shots off. They just weren't getting them to the net. I mean, the Flyers ended with 16 shots on goal and 22 blocks. Uh, the Islanders, 22 blocks. It's 38 shots in the net. I mean, it's only really three less than the Islanders, if I can do math right. So uh, it's seven less than the Islanders. So it's not that it's not really that different. The Islanders didn't dominate in a sense offensively. The Flyers won 59% of the faceoffs. The problem was is when you establish a trap like that, you can't get through it. And that's where the Flyers really need to start looking at is that they need to find a way to acquire a top six forward, whether that either is a is a top line forward 
or something along the lines where they maybe can get a top six. I don't know if even a second line player is going to be good enough. They really need someone on their top line to really that way Drew can kick down or if G, uh, Voracek can kick down to the second line and they have a little more skill added there for matchup reasons. So it's not like they need to blow the whole thing up. They need to add a piece or two here. But even so, every team needs to do that. Look at the, Let's look at the Blues, perfect example. They ran train through the playoffs last season, grinded every single game out, won in Game 7 in Boston, for crying out loud. One of the most hardest yeah. defensive teams to play. And guess what? They didn't make it out of the first round against a Vancouver team that just is faster than them. So they have changes they need to make too. So that's what happens, that even when you win the Cup, you you don't you don't just automatically become this pinnacle team. It's so rare to see that the Penguins teams from a couple years ago. It's rare. The, the Red Wings teams from the late nineties, early two thousands, rare. Avalanche teams, rare. Devils teams, rare. That was the game back then. Now, if you're able to get back to back cups, it's a freaking miracle to be able to do it. And Pittsburgh's really the only one that's going to be able that has been able to do that. So, um, it's it's you have to look at your team as a whole and say, okay. Their defense, it's young. They're, they made some mistakes, but it's their young mistakes they can make over. Goaltending, frankly, you don't have to worry about it. And I haven't said that in Philadelphia in, God, 30 years. Yeah, um, you really don't. Yeah. And, and, I, I think they, they, just need, they need skill up front. Really, they need to add to their top six, and they will be fine. Yeah. That's another. They have the pieces in place. They just need a little bit more to get them over that hump. I also would expand on, I think they're probably going to look to some sort of depth to the blue line, something like a Niskanen sign-in, but to a, like maybe a lesser degree in terms of maybe a third pairing because... Well, you got to replace Justin Braun. He's a free agent at the end of the year. That, that too, yeah. I forgot, I forgot Braun. But also, specifically as you alluded to just now with the de- the, the defensive men, defensemen being young and they made a, some crucial turnovers that led to goals for the Islanders, Travis yeah. Sanheim probably had one of the worst series i mean it, 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 it one of the worst uh he stuck out like a sore thumb in terms of playing ability for the defenseman he did not have a good series now am i gonna say here that you need to trade him absolutely not that's absurd but you also need to address like okay this kid really struggled he needs a little bit of stability and to to hopefully that will help him and i think you get that in a veteran presence because look at what happened to right. ivan Provorov as soon as you paired him up with matt Niskanen. correct he, absolutely he, he, he locked down. He got his footing back down. And I get I get it. He also had the benefit of a, an Elaine Vigneault head coach uh, compared to a Dave Haxall. I'm going to da- bring up Dave Haxall until the day that they win the Stanley Cup. I swear to God. I don't mean to do it. <laughs> but it, just, it just naturally happens in the course of an episode. But you saw that especially with the, a year, the night and day season that Ivan Provorov had compared to this season to the 18-19 season. Like it, it was night and day d- compared to for Ivan Provorov. And that is something that you look at not just the coach, but also the fact that you had Matt Niskanen. Yes, it's great that this team is so young at the blue line. You still have a young Shane Gossespierre. Ivan Provorov is obviously one of the young, one of the most the shining stars in terms of this franchise for their future for the next decade and a half. Like that is something that they should be proud of. But they also and they and don't don't make make no mistake. If I know if we know Chuck Fletcher like we do from his time in the Minnesota Wild and now here at, 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 and just his his career in hockey. He was on the phone with other teams that are out of the playoffs and possibly in the playoffs. I don't know what tampering is in terms of NHL compared to the NFL with tampering all that. I wouldn't be shocked if he was on the horn with multiple teams yesterday into today and talking about what do I need to do to expand this team to be better? Because that's what good GMs do. 
Like right. that is, and he, and we'll get into who we are going to be targeting. Obviously, we have talked about um, the the Montreal, excuse me, the the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs are a t- prime target, especially because as bad as this is going to say, and I don't mean this, this sound as, as bad as it is, the Vegas, the the impact of the financial. Uh, crisis that the NHL is facing is really going to hurt teams like Toronto, but it's also going to benefit teams like the Philadelphia Flyers that are able to take players off of that cap, off of the books of struggling teams because of COVID financial stuff, and just in general because of how the NHL cap works. Like The Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be struggling, so that should be a key prime target for Chuck Fletcher and the Philadelphia Flyers to be looking to expand, as you said, that top six forward, that top line forward that can expand this team to get more creative, to get quicker, and get better at stick handling. We talk about how all the time that speed is the name of the game in this NHL, and it is. The second thing is is stick handling and creativity. If you don't have those three facets in your top six, top nine, uh, even a little bit of your grinder uh, 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 line in your in your fourth line, you are going to struggle in this league. That's what you saw in the in the Flyers this year, struggling, especially in this series, struggling to get out of their own zone. Again, that's what caused a lot of turnovers, a lot of easy goals that left Carter Hart strangling and dangling with his jock strap. And that's where it's going to change this year for Chuck Fletcher. He's going to look for f- top six depth and forward depth, and or excuse me, and 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 depth at the defensive blue line to expand this team. You don't again, I I don't I, I'm repeating myself, but it needs to be said. You don't need to blow up this team because no. that is absurd. No, you and there, just there's, need to add pieces. Correct. And there's a lot of young guys in this team, and this is a good experience for a lot of them, as we talked about last week. Uh, not even last week, a couple days ago. It's important to know that these guys are going to need to go through the ebbs and flows like a lot of other these players at. But let's let's talk, actually talk about what they could do this offseason. You brought up Toronto. It's a really good point. Toronto just mm-hmm. they just made a move um, where they traded uh, Kasperi Kapanen back to the um, Pittsburgh Penguins to clear up some cap space. They're actually rumored right now to be looking into Matt Murray as well. So, which means they're dumb and Freddie Anderson. They're going to move on from him and try to save it from that way as well. Not a bad move for them. I would say him and Anderson is a lateral move, even though Murray's got two cups. But enough about Toronto. William Nylanders, they're not going to get rid of Matthews. They're not going to get rid of um, Marner. That's that's key. Although Mitch Marner and the Flyers would be the absolute skill they need. Marner's got his flaws as well because he can't do it all himself in the in that sense where he needs to he needs a he needs a little more of a guy who can play a better sentiment around him, essentially. I'm Um, hoping that – I really hope, and I think he probably would if if he didn't do it today. He's going to do it at some point. I'm you got to figure out what it what just to get a base, see what happens. Oh, there's what a couple guys Toronto that are available. Want. Yeah, I want Nylander. So I know I I would I'm obviously Marner is just at the top of the list as well. I want Nylander on this team like there is no tomorrow. He would be the boost. He's a 30 goal scorer. He had 31 goals this year. Like this is exactly what the Flyers need. Just call Toronto Chuck and figure out how much it's going to take because well, if it's because you're almost because as you talked about the the I, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt the, uh, interrupt okay. you. Let, 
like the fly, the the NHL ebbs and flows, as you said, is built through the draft. However, the contenders get to a point where they can expand and unload those draft picks and get pieces. The Flyers and I don't do are on the cusp of making that transition. There, I'm not saying that they need to be starting giving up first and second round picks. I'm not that they're not at that point, but they are close. They're not as far away as we think they are, but they are close to be able to say we can give up this draft capital in the first and second round for these veterans like the Nylanders of the world, the Marners of the world to see where to make them into true contenders. That's the ebbs and flows of how the NHL go, goes from what I have seen. They give up draft capital and in seven years, eight years, whatever it may be, after they've opened up the window and then they've seen it shut in terms of uh, the, 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 the cup run, once that's shut, then you get back your, your draft capital by unloading veterans. The Flyers are almost on the cusp of giving up draft capital for the veterans that they need to push them over the edge. Okay, so I will take you Nylander. Well, Nylander's nice. There's one player who's actually available from everything that I've read and, and, and heard um, mm-hmm. that I think that is likely more available than Nylander. And so let's take a look at Nylander's numbers real quick. So if you want to really add skill, which is more impressive to you? Now, William Nylander has played in 307 NHL games, has 86 goals, 135 assists, 221 points, and is a plus 12 for his career. Mm-hmm. This other player I'm referring to has played 305 games in the NHL, has 138 goals, 109 assists, 247 points, and he's a minus one. Now, what sounds more impressive to you? And he, yeah. do you know which player I'm talking about here? I, I actually don't know which player. I feel like this is a another Eastern Conference player that we're talking about. So I'll, No, it is no. not actually. No. No, shocking. The, we're usually, so this player, we're this player, a in the East. It, and you're right. But this player is also 23 years old. All right. Okay. He'll be 23 in 2020. I'm oh, sorry. He's 22 years old. He'll be 23 in 2021. So he's got uh, two oh. years on Nylander. So he's, uh, yeah, Nylander's going to be 25 next season. This kid's going to be 23. Can I can I take a stab because I just because yes. the because the because the Dallas uh, Vegas game just went and they were just doing a montage of highlights and this team just popped up. Yeah, are we talking about the one and only Johnny Hockey? No, Johnny Hockey's oh. not twenty three, but you're close. It. You're close. It's in the same. I believe it's in the no. It's not in the same division. But uh, I'm talking I about how, Johnny Hockey's one of those guys where I'm like, oh yeah, he's twenty three, right? Well, no, I was gonna like, get to that. Seven. He. he, he he is available. I mean, they might I mean, move on yeah. him because of Matthew Kachuk's contract coming up in a couple of years. They might have to move on from him and that deal. Hopefully not. Um, but uh, I mean, because I think that look, with all due respect, uh, Johnny is 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 a great hockey player. I'm never a fan of kids playing in their hometown because of the added pressure. Um, not That's that true. Johnny couldn't yeah. handle it, but from the fan perspective, is that 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 people look don't want to hear that. Yeah, that- I mean, look look what we've been dealing with today in terms Dang of the hot takes no. and all that. Like, yes, we'll, we'll be we'll be 15 games into next season. Just say with Johnny Hockey as 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 now the top guy, uh, yeah. one of the top guys on this team, and he hasn't scored in in five games out of the first 15. And everyone's saying this was a waste of a trade. And you can't or you <laughs> exactly. You can't have exactly. him if there's not 70 plus games to go or 68 plus games to go for the Philadelphia Flyers in that season. So yeah, you're you're. I get your point. I would still love have, but who are, who? Let's go back to your comparison of uh, Nylander and this mystery player. Who are we referring to? Because I can't figure it out. Patrick Line. Ooh, yeah, 
Yeah, I would I mean, take Patrick Line over Nylander in all any day of the week because you know why the guy is a pure goal scorer, and I can take a look at the fact that he is basically he's a my he has two hundred and forty seven points in his career, and he's a minus one. Now it's because he had a really bad season, not this past one, but eighteen nineteen. It was a minus twenty four and only scored fifty points. So other than that, he's been a positive player, he's plus seven, plus eight in his career. Otherwise. Um, but Patrick Line is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of next season. So they only want a short-term deal on them. The, what, what Winnipeg also did is another guy who might be available as well would be Kyle Connor. And Kyle Connor's another one here who's really interesting because he's played, he's got 201 points and 249 games, 105 goals and 96 assists. So he's another one who's up and coming with this. He's got three straight, three straight seasons of over 30 goals. So List past season 38, 18, 19, 34, and 17, 18, 31. So he's got he's got another one there. So the the reason why I think this fits is that we've talked about all season long. Listen, I can tell you right now, I will be the most shocked person on the earth if Ghost is wearing 53 in a Flyers uniform next season. I think Ghost is done. Now, Winnipeg's going to run into a little bit of a cap issue here. Winnipeg also needs a little more out of their back end. They don't, after losing Bufflin, they kind of need to do like a retooling on their back end. They didn't get the mm-hmm. offensive punch that Bufflin provided for them. And Paul Maurice, what he does at there is he really allows his, he, he allows because if his if he's got guys who have offensive creativity, he's allows, he allows his defenseman to jump up a lot more and not be so sit back is what kind of ghost is what had to do and it doesn't really fit his game so ghost used to just go all out and they didn't worry about the back end now that they've got him worrying about the back end he's hesitant up front and he's not playing as well pushing up front he's not a fit here he's still a good player a change of scenery might do him well it's going to take more than just ghost regardless of what people say ghost has value on the league because of his contract size four and a half million especially coming into a flat cap year that taking two million dollars off the books off of line a for Ghost, you're going to have to package something in. You might have to give up someone like a Morgan Frost, honestly. Um, I wouldn't think Frost, but maybe something. I'm just making an example of some sort of prospect. Probably going to mm-hmm. take a, a first-rounder. Probably going to take Ghost, and it's probably going to take a, definitely a younger player, maybe even Farabee. I'd be okay giving up Farabee if you're getting line A in that of the deal because he's so young. You're going to have to give up a lot for one of these guys, but they're yeah, ages 22 and 23. And so either one of these guys is available. Boy, the Flyers need to jump on that in a heartbeat. They absolutely you have do. to. You absolutely have to. Because like you said earlier, and what this all comes down to is when these when these rare moments of good players, young, youth, youthful talent that is available on the trade block, that is in on that is on the trade block and because of cap space and everything, it goes also back to you make these moves and then you lock them down for the long-term deal because you build from within. You don't really expand on the outside. You expand on the outside when you have to, and that's the scenario that the Flyers are in. At the same time, they'll build through the draft. But again, you're in this window we're in the twilight of Claude Giroux's career you have to figure out and someone brought up a good one of the rare good points that I saw on Twitter today was by my butt well, one of my buddies Tom he brought up a great point and it's we have to come to the the, uh, the the recognition that we're probably not we're done seeing the Claude Giroux game era of the 80 point plus season oh without a he's doubt gonna, 
he's in the era of 60 plus 55 plus that kind of range that's where he's at and you have to come reconcile or you have to come to the realization with that that you have to make up those points and that's exactly why Linen is going to be a good target for them Nylander is a good target if you're if you're able to pry him away from Toronto but yeah you're right like this is exactly the kind of player that you give up that first round pick for that second round pick for mm-hmm. ghost for you give up the young talent that you have already that could possibly be fine. Are are we giving up a Morgan Faust? No, but you also have to recognize that the known of of uh, of Patrick Linen is way more enticing than the unknown and potential talent of Morgan Fa- Frost right now, and you have to realize that because if you can get Linen in here, that's immediate impact right then and there. He's Bingo. going to be a top six player and immediately add exactly what you needed to beat the Islanders. Because if Patrick Linen is on this team, they probably beat the the Islanders in six or seven. Yeah, this time he around. he struggled in the playoffs this year and he struggled last season as well. But I, I think that's. Been- because they, they're they're focused in on him. This is this is where people need to understand. This is where hockey's different. Just because Claude Giroux is not an effective top line player as well as he used to be, does not mean he will not be more than an effective second line player. Yep. So if you put a guy third. like Giroux, <laughs> no, nah, not so much third, but because you won't see as much minutes. But if you put him, he, he's gonna he's still a top six player. If you put mm-hmm. him on the wing on your second line, you get better matchups there. He's not facing the top line, the top defenseman every single night. You have there is a skill differential there, and he still has the hands where he can do it. His speed hasn't gone away. He's just not as effective as he used to be because he's not the dominant guy anymore. It's just teams have owned in on it, and players yeah. around him need to start picking up. Now it's, it's natural it, ebbs and flows of aging in in the correct. sports world. It's, Bingo. it's nothing Bingo. new that we've experienced with. He, I mean, it's just everything that we're going to deal with for the rest of our lives, all of sports lives. We're going to see this the, these things happen. This isn't the 2012 Claude Giroux. This is the 2020 right. Claude Giroux. It was eight years ago that he had that famous shift where everybody thought he was on top of the world. That was eight years ago. Okay, that's a long time in the hockey world, and he's he's just not not that he's you know, and and be honest, he's not the same player as he used to be. He's he's got to be more efficient nowadays. He still has the skill set. He's just not going to be that dominant top line player anymore. He's just not that, and that's okay. It doesn't mean he's not. A, it doesn't mean you give him away or you trade him or try to move him, even though he has no movement clause. You can't do any of that anyway. You don't right. do that <laughs> because he's still effective. So if you can go out and get a guy like Line A, and this is why it could kind of work out, he's signed to the end of next season. Next season, you have a draft coming up, an expansion draft. You can offload probably either Jake's or JVR's salary and expose them in the draft and then make up that money where you're going to have to wind up paying Line A anyway. Because, listen, Line A has his career. His rookie season, he scored 36 goals. His second season, he scored 44 goals. Took a step back in 18-19 with 30 goals, but that's still 30 goals. And that's still season, most in, That's still going to lead the Flyers. Right, and he had this year, he had 28 goals in 68 games. You tell me in 14 games, he's not going to get another couple goals in there. It would have been well over 30 goals again this year. So, yep. listen, Konechny is a very good player, but Konechny is not a goal scorer in the NHL. He's a playmaker. He's not the guy who – he's not a sniper. The Flyers have been looking for this sniper for God knows how long, but they don't hang off trees. They're very hard to find, especially at that high level. You have a guy come in in his first season to score 36 goals and has kept the same level of production all four seasons of his career, and he's available – my God, you throw everything in your hat to try to get that player because guess what that is? That is your franchise player. That is your guy 
who replaces all of your marketing with Giroux. And people have to understand, too, the, the business situation with this. There is a flat cap next year. The cap is not going to go up. It's going to hurt a lot of teams. It's going to be hard for a lot of teams. Understand that business aspect as well. And understand if you can get, with fans coming back in, a fresh new face like Patrick Lining on your roster where he'll be noticed somewhere like in Philadelphia and, and people will like him because he'll score a lot of goals, that's the way you got to go if he's available. And even so, we're just making Patrick Line. Kyle Connor could be available. Winnipeg might have to give up on one of these two guys. But even so, even if even if you can't pull off those trades and somebody else does, look at Montreal. There's a player in Montreal who clearly does not fit. Now, there's a little bit of a gray area with this one, but hockey's all about gray areas. Max Domi. Max Domi, <laughs> he's, he got demoted to the fourth line. This kid's a first-round draft pick from 2013. He's only 25 years old, and he has a lot of skill set. The only problem is, is that he plays exclusively center. He's been reluctant to move to the wing. Now, you could flip him easily just for Ghost and see if it works here in this system for him. It's still an upgrade because you're adding more skill there. So if you can add more skill to the wing somewhere, you can build around it. And Johnny Hockey, hey, look. Johnny Hockey has played in his career. He's played 464 games. He's got 445 points. Almost a point-per-game player in this era, which is beyond fantastic. So if he's available, he's around $6.5 million, I believe he is. You can work that and work it under your cap somehow because guess what? The Flames are probably going to lose Travis Hamonic or one of their top or one of their uh, better defensemen. They might need a needed defenseman, so it might work out there money-wise. So listen – it's not like there are things available. The guys who get their unrestricted free agency are there for a reason because they're not getting there until about their 30. So it's not like football where guys are getting the prime or basketball where it seems like you can go wherever you want any year or whatever. It's ridiculous. Hockey guys don't get let go until teams are ready to move on from them. They get locked up to long-term deals for a reason, and they don't get let go until they're ready to cash in and their skill sets have probably already diminished to a certain point. Minus Kevin Hayes, of course. So take all of that in consideration. This team just has to make the right chess move here. And next year, it could propel them to a series where they're playing against Tampa and probably have a chance to beating Tampa. So they're, they're, only, a ch- they're only a piece of move away here from, from really getting to the dance. It just depends on what move they make because it really is a big yeah. deal what they do. So if they don't get anything and go into the roster with next season, well, well, guess what? You're going to get the same results as this season because you don't have enough skill up front. But I look, the Flyers brass knows this. They 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 be crazy not to, and they'll make the right move to get the Flyers over this hump. Because look, regardless of whether you think this is a hump or where they should blow the whole thing up, this team won its first playoff series in eight years and took a team that's clearly playing them much, clearly a much better team. And took them to Game Seven, where they just were completely outmatched and out of gas at that point. So, you 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 can't really fault this team for losing to a better team, not looking at the seedings because yeah, the Islanders had lost eleven out of seventeen before the shutdown, but coming back, they've been the best team out there besides Tampa, and that series is probably going to go six or seven as well. Even though I think Tampa is going to the final though. So yeah, um, I, I anyway, think I digress. 
to touch on your point, I think what the Philadelphia Flyers have been since probably 2010, uh, definitely post the blow up of uh, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, that whole fiasco and that. I think, you know what, actually, now that I, I didn't mean to bring this up, but uh, or I didn't mean to go off on this. I think that's what spurs this blow up talk because of what happened in tw- with the Jeff Carter and Mike Richards in blowing up that whole thing and that whole fiasco and what brought over Jake Voracek and Wayne Simmons and that and that whole whole gang. I think people expect that to happen every three or four years now with the Philadelphia Flyers. And that's just absurd. What happened there was just a very like a we I don't want to say a anomaly, but it was a weird moment where the fly you didn't expect that. And there's a story behind it. And there's a story behind it. They thought at that point with Carter, they had been looking to move Carter and they were looking to get younger because they they had they had an opportunity because they they knew that Giroux was coming up. They knew that they had an opportunity to have other players coming up up the middle. They really thought there was a log jam there at center. Briere, when he was there at the time, his natural position was center. It wasn't the wing; it was naturally center. Mm-hmm. But they moved into the yep. wing. They really had a log jam there, and they had to unload somebody. Carter was the one that fetched him the best return. It got him a chance to get Couturier, and that's the guy they wanted. They were just surprised because if Couturier had not gotten mono, he would have been the first overall pick in the twenty twelve draft. The fact yeah. he got Mono dropped him down to the back where the Flyers could scoop him up. Richards, on the other hand, surprisingly enough, as much as Mike Richards was loved in this city, the Flyers thought that they had that he had expected to exceeded his peak because he was the worst player on the ice during that series against Boston the year before. They feel like they felt like that he really tailed down and he was not the player that he already peaked at like 25, 26, and he was ready to to you know to to go on to the next stage of his career. The Flyers couldn't afford $5 million for the next 10 years on a guy who was going to be a third-line player. That's why they flipped him to L.A. And L.A., he became a centerpiece for a team that needed a piece or two to win the cup. So they had the goaltender in Jonathan Quick. They had the defenseman in Drew Doughty. They had a top player in Anze Kopitar, who was very similar in a sense to Kevin Hayes, except Kopitar could score more. Um but they they needed to make that move to get over that top. And really, don't forget, Carter wasn't there to begin with. He wasn't there until the deadline when he was in Columbus first. And then they flipped into the yeah, deadline, and that's what got that. him over. People yeah. forget that. So yeah. um, that's, that's because the ironically, thing. Because ironically, Jeff Carter was the guy that kind of struggled in. Like he, It almost seemed like he had reached his peak. Mike Richards played pretty well for in his initial stint in, or when he initially got over to Los Angeles. Jeff Carter struggled over Columbus from what I remembered, and that's what caused the, the trade over there to a point. Right. And then he kind of took his stride out in L.A. leading up to their, their cup win in 20, well, he was 2011, big, 2012. 20, 2012. He was the big piece of the winning of the Man Cup in 2012. Huge piece. He scored, a, what's it called? He scored two game winners in the final. So, yeah. um, you know, that's the thing but, about Carter. He he was he was like, they the, the Kings made the piece where okay, we're going to give up a young player like Braden Shen and and Wayne Simmons, and we're going to give them up because we know we're getting an established guy of Mike Richards, and they struggled for the most part. And then finally, they got it. I think that was the season they came in as the eight seed. They yeah, that was the season they got Carter at the deadline because they were struggling so badly, and then Carter helped them put them over the edge. They were a team that was ready to make a run, but they needed to make the right pieces. So they give up a guy like Shen and Simmons to get Richards and Carter eventually and win them the cup. So um, that's the kind of move the Flyers are probably, if not this year, because I would even say they might be at a point where if they can make the dollars work, they would make that move now. 
Um, but because they have enough young guys and enough depth where they can afford to make that move. Now, you don't, nobody wants to see anybody give up a guy like Morgan Frost, but it's going to be him or Farabee. And I think a lot of teams are saying, hey, look, if we're going to give you a young piece of our puzzle, like a Lion A or a Kyle Connor, they're going to want a guy like Frost. And I don't think it's going to be on the table. Would, it, would no, I it, agree with it? No, I wouldn't. But at the same time, if you're getting a proven commodity out of it, yeah, absolutely. I would take that over over a guy who might have a just as good of a season, you know, but might take another year that. or two to get there. Let me ask you this, because I, I don't think we've touched on this. But you're talking about the young talent that this team has in the forwards. I think we've missed one guy that especially established himself. I thought he had a great series in, in Montreal and and against the the Islanders to an extent. What if they said they need Philip Myers? You're giving up a defenseman there. That's a little bit tougher. If they need yeah. Phil Myers to and get Patrick Kleine, I, I mean, I he's the it, guy that's going to is the reason that everyone's fine with Ghost. I would say, but being the on money, the bench. but the money mm-hmm. won't work. The money you're right. not going to give up Ghost, yeah. and you're not going to give up Myers. You're not going to do that. You're not yeah. going to give up two defensemen for that. So because then you right. have a live jam up front. So yep. you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to part with something. Um. Yeah. I. I. Ghost makes the dollars work, and it and it well, fills the immediate need for Winnipeg. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm not even just saying that it's going to only cost them the first round or whatever, plus Ghost and Philip Myers. But I'm saying in addition to Philip Myers and Morgan Frost or Joel Farabee, because I think Philip Myers was the was the most surprising. Uh, a commodity asset out of this 2019 2020 season. I think he's established himself as a top six for, uh, excuse me, a top six defenseman, and he's going to be on the blue line for a couple of years to come until uh, the next guy comes up because I think he's that, I think he's that good. Um, but when you're talking about trading him in addition to these other young talent in Joel Farabee or, 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 uh, uh, uh Morgan Frost, I think that's going to be, I would be on the. I would be hesitant, but also realize that this is exactly what the Flyers need if we're talking about a guy like Patrick Line. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to luck in any kind of you know Mark Recchi trade for Leclerc right. and Desjardins. You're not, right. not in today's day and age. You're not. I mean, teams know the players' value, and they won't budge well, on them until they're really forced to. So. Well, and- the- so yeah, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the initial thing that I uh, why I brought up the 2010 year was because I I think what also was enticing to why you would want to you would immediately probably say yes to a guy like Patrick Line is because it feels like since 2010, give or take around a, a year or two, whatever it may be, is as you said, the Flyers are a team that where 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 Travis Konechny, Claude Giroux. Uh, uh, even Jake Voracek, they're playmakers. They're not goal scorers, and that's what this team has been strung together as a lot—a lot of playmakers looking for that natural goal scorer. And again, it's very difficult to find one. It's not easy. Don't grow on trees. They're not just like a dime a dozen on Broad Street, like at at your local Wawa. You got to find these. They're diamonds in the rough. When you when you got when you're able to find one, you got to pull the trigger on them. So there's what's good is. There is several on here potentially for the Flyers to choose from. You just got to find the right price and what you're going to have to give up to say this is what we're going to do. And I think that's where I trust a lot. He got a lot of criticism in in Minnesota, Chuck Fletcher. Uh, and now that he's over here uh, as the Philadelphia Flyers GM, people I don't think have uh, people might have noticed it a little bit, but like he never got the Minnesota Wild over the hump uh, in terms of the playoff contendership. Uh, I think he's breathed new life into what he's done for the Philadelphia Flyers in just one year. 
hiring a coach like Elaine Vigneault that is immediate veteran presence in established head coach in the NHL, a completely different, I'm going to say his name again, on the other side of Dave Haxtell, who was completely inexperienced. But then he also made genius signings. Like Kevin Hayes got a lot of criticism and you and I were both on the on the the right side of this and saying that the Kevin Hayes contract was very good and, and will be fine at the end of this. Now, we can get into details as they come along for what the, what his contract is going to mean for the COVID years, but like or the po- the post COVID uh, effect for the NHL, but for the most part, the Kevin Hayes signing is exactly why we're here today. It's why you got to the second round because Kevin Hayes again is a two se- second line forward center that is able to play two hundred feet of ice. He can play all three facets of the, facets of the game. That's exactly what you need. So the 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 groundwork of what we expect from Chuck Chuck Fletcher is there for us, and I think that's sh- all Flyers fans, every one of us, should look at this and say. Chuck Fletcher knows what he's doing. He's grown up around hockey all his life. I forget his dad's name. I think his dad recently passed. Cliff. Cliff. Yeah, Cliff, Cliff Fletcher. Cliff, yeah, he's been around forever. He's been around the NHL forever. He's been around hockey forever. So Chuck Chuck Fletcher was exactly what this guy needed, what this team needed, not this guy, what this team needed to breathe new life into this and become the potential contenders that they're on the cusp of being. So I have all the trust in the world in Chuck Fletcher, almost similar to, uh, and I this might be a little hyperbolic, almost similar to, the Howie Roseman going into the 2017-2018. go there. You, but no, I think that's exactly what, like, I think, but I, I don't think that's too crazy. Like, what we, I'm not saying that Chuck Fletcher is about to make the moves, two moves here and there for leading into next season where they're going to be Stanley Cup contenders. No, but I still trust them to make the move. Oh, a better this example. It's more like the, Ed Wade and Pat Gillick. That's okay. Fine. Yeah. Or just the, 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 uh, the, the Howie Roseman that made the trade to get Carson Wentz. That I think is the, 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 cause it led to what we saw in 2017 and the 2018, uh, on uh, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I think that is what, what we're closer to. And the Edweed, Pat Gillick. I'll give you that. That's a good, that's also a good comparison. Yeah. Like Edweed brought in the only young guys. Pat Gillick got him over the hump and then Ruben Marr destroyed it all. Uh, but still, let's, let's, let's be real. <laughs> About this, I, like let, let's and Cliff at Cliff Fletcher. Stole the, up, I'm sorry, yeah. just because you brought him up, Ruben Amaro. So as everyone, as most <laughs> people know on this podcast, we uh, I work in radio. I, I'm I share a building with 94 WIP, the sports station in Philadelphia. Um, I was getting coffee one morning in in the main lobby area. There's a couple couple of us that still go into the office every day. Uh, a lot of people at WIP still go into the office, and that's pre- it's nice to see them because they're they're really cool. Um, I'm getting coffee, and this gentleman is just sitting next, standing next to me, six feet apart. We're it's very we're very uh, observant of the social distancing, just putting creamer in his coffee and all that stuff. And I look over and I go, "Wait a minute, that's Ruben Amaro." <laughs> I'm casually having a conversation with Ruben Amaro about, oh, how was your week? Because it was a Monday. I remember it was a Monday. I was like, oh, how was your weekend? Oh, you have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Phillies are very good. And I'm like, yeah, they, they look pretty good. And they, they went in, I think, at the time. They they had just swept the Nationals for the first time. And, and I'm just like, holy 
holy shit like this is Ed Rubin Amar Jr. Like, I'm having I'm having a conversation with the guy that brought in Cliff Lee back to Cliff Lee and Roy Holiday for the Philadelphia Phillies like I like you said he, he tore it he didn't get over the he didn't repeat the team and when they won the World Series but damn this is this guy's a staple for yeah. the Philadelphia sports history so it was just a fun a brush with brush with fame for the uh, for uh for myself like that was that was just a funny moment just because you brought up uh ruben amaro right there that's hilarious i, I <laughs> casually have a conversation hey, i feel yeah. like so good you don't pick it up till afterwards i mean but yeah i mean how often would you remember seeing that I mean, he hasn't been around here for what six or seven years now so yeah it's been it's a couple been, years it's been a while so i, I did I, a I weird totally thing as like a first base coach for the boston red sox i remember yeah Before, yeah uh, i think that's the last time i heard of him as well yeah, it's, yeah. It's, hey man that's the, the thing like you know, like, and by the way, Cliff Fletcher, Cliff Fletcher is still alive, by the way. So, you know. Okay, good. No, I, no, for no, some no, reason, no I will. Good. Okay, good. Glad, glad so. Cliff is still alive. Because I know he, <laughs> he was a staple for the, for, for he's a, sta- he's a staple just like his son for the, for the, for the league. So I, it's good to hear that he's still alive. Yeah, yeah thank God. Because, you know, you don't want to be like having coffee all of a sudden with Chuck Fletcher and be like, oh, here, sorry about your dad, by the way. Wait, yeah, what right. are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. Like, that's like, that's yeah, like you wouldn't be doing Michael a podcast pod. anymore. Right, that's like classic Michael Scott from The Office. All of a sudden, he's yep. talking about, "Oh, by the way, your mother's dead." Well, that's it's like, no, I just saw my mother yesterday, Michael. What are you talking about? That would have been my moment right there. Uh huh. I totally would have been. Yep. Well, look. You know, I, I, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, you know, look, you have to understand is that it's important to realize that Chuck knows how to manage this situation. He's the guy who ultimately negotiated the Parise and Suter deals and because basically had the league had the same amount on them anyway, but the he's, he knows how to get these things in there, but the, the benefit he has and, and people look in and say, Oh, well, the criticism in Montreal and uh, Minnesota, he didn't, he messed with the cap. Well, yeah. When you have guys who are making $12 million pretty much each year or $10 million, whatever Parise and, and Suter are making and they're in their mid to late thirties now, and they're not producing. Yeah. It looks bad, but the Flyers don't have that situation. They they had their oldest player in their top players in Giroux and Voracek not signed through the end until uh, they're signed until the end of not the subcoming season, but the following season. So well, yeah, these guys will be in their mid thirties and he's going to have a lot of room to be able to really construct the roster. He feels is going to get this team over the hump. So that do. also is going to add up a Couturier re- uh, renegotiation. You're going to have to ink up Myers. You're going to have to ink up Hart. You're going to have to ink up, uh, probably uh, Sanheim. A lot of these long-term deals are going to be coming up, so uh, y- your your window to win with this group isn't too big. So he's going to he. I, no, he they the know he's got to pull contract. the trigger. Yeah, no, he, it, 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 like because as you said, like he has uh, the end of. But what in the short term, the next year and the year pro- after that is the Voracek and Claude Giroux contract hits are substantial. I think Claude is is around eight point two, eight point three million dollars. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a big cap hit for a guy that hasn't, for the most part, shown up in the playoffs for the be- better part of a decade. So the criticism is fair on Claude Giroux. He should be showing up and producing numbers. He's not going to be producing as. As we talked about earlier, he's not an 80-point guy anymore in the regular season. He's more 55, 60, 65 at most 
if we're lucky. Like that is where we're at. He needs to be producing to a, some extent. Uh, I think his playoff numbers are they're probably less than a point a game now, but they have been around a point up until uh, recently because of how well he played. You need him to be add depth. He's going to become a depth guy rather than a top six guy sooner rather than later. And I'm not saying that's going to happen next season. That's not the case. He's a six. He's a second man. He's a second line guy at this point in his career. Like that's just the fact of the matter. But the problem is he's being paid like a top centerman, and that's right. fine because of the situation they were in at the time. He was one of the best. He was probably at the time of that contract his top five player in the NHL. He didn't he's get the respect top, he deserved. Top but three in points the last five. decade. He's been yeah, top three in the points last decade, right there with yeah. Kane and Crosby. So you're telling me that's not good. Yeah, no, he hasn't had a team around him to really get him over the hump, but at the same time, that's why they need to construct it now because they know that window is closing. It's not going to be much longer. And with all due respect, like, you know, Drew has worked his ass off in this city and played too well, almost to a Hall of Fame caliber level. Whether you want to believe it or not, because when you're third in points for a decade for the most part, that is Hall of Fame conversation worthy. It's not all about cups, hot takers, but still. Right. You, you you don't want to see this guy not win a cup because then that'll become his legacy of, oh, well, he never won a cup. So yeah, he, I mean, he really I'm, needs that. He really needs that to cement himself as a Hall of Famer, which because it'll be always debated if he ever gets in there. Yeah, he's going, and I, I, this is going to sound very unfair. I know, knowing you, you're going to get mad at this comparison, but he is close on the teeter of Donovan McNabb comparison in yeah, Philadelphia. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. That's that's exactly if anything, that's a great comparison. That's probably the best yeah. comparison you can make with him. I'm not mad he at that at all. Donovan McNabb for hockey. Like that's yeah. just how it's going to be. Am, am I expecting the Philadelphia Flyers to retire his number? I would say there's probably a probably 75, 25. I think I don't know if it's a lot. Maybe when yet. we're all old and gray when we're in our fifties yeah. and sixties. I don't know Maybe. if it's a lot yet, but he's certainly going to be inducted into the Flyers Philadelphia the Philadelphia Flyers Hall of Fame. That is right. going to be that is a stone cold lock. He is and right up there. In the hockey with, Hall of Fame. He has a chance. Has a very good chance to do yes, it too. That's your point. I was going to like he is a Stanley Cup away from being a surefire lock to being a certified Hall of Famer in Toronto in ten years. Whatever. I don't. I can't remember the standard for after you retire. If it's five years post retirement, five. I think it's five right. years post retirement. Yeah. So like he's close to it. He needs a cup and it's unfair to him because he's only, he's probably two years away from that. Cause I don't know what happens to this. Well, we, we have a decent idea of what happens to this team in two years and it's not going to be good for, I, I know I want to continue to say that there's more likely than not that Claude Giroux is a Philadelphia flyer for life, but that's not guaranteed. I would like it to happen. I'd like him to sign a very team friendly deal after the uh, two seasons from now when his contract expired but that's not a guarantee he has a child now he has a family he lives like he mostly lives in uh, uh, ottawa in the off season i believe if i'm not mistaken like that's where he's from is there a chance that he's gonna all of a sudden sign a really uh a decent deal into ottawa ottawa in two years and just finish out his twilight years out there that's always a possibility. That's any player in the NHL could do that at the, at no, the end of their contract. Not Ottawa. They're really cheap. So I would, as long as Eugene Melonick is not that owner, that's he's true. not going to spend yeah. over $5 million on a player. 
<laughs> so it, it's just one of those things where you have two years and then you gotta you have a big question mark on the future of this team in terms of where their captain who and where their captain is going to come from like that's just the reality of the situation and we'll get into all of those speculations as we as we're officially into our uh, the real offseason we had a quasi offseason from March until what was it when did we pick up the season August 1st yeah yeah season finally started so we're officially in our offseason we're gonna have fun with all of this we're gonna talk about all the speculation we're gonna go through our next episode we're gonna focus specifically on the forwards of their entire scope of the season see how they did and then we'll go from there and see what they can improve what they can improve uh and and who is gonna be here for the long term the short term and who's gonna help lift that stanley cup at the end of the season one year for the philadelphia flyers that's the ultimate goal of what we want to see everyone can agree on that we may have different uh acknowledge different ways of how we want that to happen but the end goal is all the same for us and that's the beauty of sports at the end of this all everyone wants to see the stanley cup lifted they want to see the lombardi trophy lifted they want to see the bill uh the larry o'brien trophy and all of that good stuff the the commissioner's trophy in the major league baseball like that is the end goal in sports it, everyone just has to disagree on how we want to do it that's the yeah. beauty of this of this thing <laughs> exactly Exactly. Yep. Like, it, it, importantly, too, is that don't forget there's also 30 teams in the NHL that will not be winning the Stanley Cup this year. And yeah. just because the Flyers well, haven't done it in almost 50 years doesn't change the fact that there's also a lot of teams who haven't done it just as long or some ever. teams who have never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, so, ever. Um, and that's 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 to say how hard it is. So yeah, all these teams are trying to do that, and they're going to make moves. They're going to put them in position to do that. And sometimes it's just luck of the draw. The Flyers did not get any luck by beating the finding an Islanders team that just clearly was playing better than them. And frankly, you should watch the Eastern Conference Final because that's going to be some of the most entertaining hockey you'll see. And you'll see a team like Tampa who has a lot of skill up front, and Braden Point is turning into an elite player in this league. I don't care what anybody says. Um, You'll see the difference of what having some more skill up front can do for you against a team who's defensively oriented like the Islanders. Um, So uh, that's going to be a fun series to watch. Out West, Dallas and Vegas is going at it, and I think that even though uh, Dallas is – they're still up one nothing right now. Um, I think Vegas is going to take this series. And and even if the Stars get to the final as well as they're playing right now, they they wouldn't have a chance with their way they're playing back and forth with their goaltending to be able to beat either the Islanders or the the Lightning. I think the East is cutting the cup this year. Yeah, so let's – before we wrap, so let's just do our your official prediction for so your official prediction is Vegas in in six or what? It, where where are you at? And then do the East as well for you. If Vegas can stop playing the goaltending carousel for no friggin' reason out there, which doesn't make any the sense to me, it, it's thing. absurd. Leonard's clearly playing better right now. You ride your hot hand, let him do it. Flurry, though, they're not going to be able to probably keep Leonard after this season because they've got Flurry locked up for two more seasons, seven million a year, and a flat cap year. No one's going to take a thirty-five-year-old. Go- I'm sorry, a thirty-six-year-old goaltender at seven million dollars. So they're kind of stuck with him. So that's why they're riding Leonard now to see if they could take him to the promised land. Um, I think that while Dallas has looked really good and they're killing them in shots right now, twenty to nine, um, the Golden Knights have a tendency to start out series a little bit slow. Um, and they can be a little bit, but the overall their team game is really good. And, and Pete the Boar, everywhere he's gone, he's taken this team to the final in the first year he's done it. Did it with the Devils in 2012. Did it, I'm sorry, minus the Panthers, of course. Did it with the Devils in 2012. Did it with the Sharks in 2016. Um, 
And I think with him on the bench, he'll find a way to get that team going. And Dallas, they're good. They're quick. They have a lot of goal scoring. But, again, it comes back to they're, they're between Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin. They, those guys can, can't can really – nobody has really grabbed the reins of it. It's the, Hudobin's the guy right now, but you'll see a Varlamov-Grice situation there eventually. So I think the Golden Knights have the edge. They're still the top seed. I think they have a chance to, to really get back to the final here. And uh, um, I, I would say them and I would say Golden Knights in six – Eastern Conference. I'm also going with the Lightning in six games. I think the Lightning are just playing. It's going to take them probably a game, game and a half, hopefully not that long, um, to get back into a groove because they haven't played in over a week. The Islanders are also going to come in a little bit more tired, I would say, because they've only had a day off in between games. Now you got to start a whole new series, a whole new opponent. That really puts them in. Yeah, yeah, they're traveling to Edmonton now because everything's playing at Edmonton. So um, it's a little bit of a disadvantage for them um, in a sense, but it, it'll even out a little bit. But overall, Tampa's just so much more skilled. They're ha- even though Vasilevsky gives up wonky goals, he still um, is a very, very good goaltender. I think the Islanders are going to see the limits of their team right now offensively. They don't really have anybody out top of their first line really putting pucks in the net. I don't think you're going to do that against Tampa. Tampa's a really, really deep team, so I would say six, uh, and then we'll we'll see what happens there. But I, I think that either way, it's going to be Tampa and the Golden Knights in the final. Well, to make it short, I agree with everything you said. Like I, 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 I don't always like I, I don't always like the uh, where we agree with everything. But I think I, I think this is one of the most I don't want to say lopsided finals. In, specifically in the Eastern Conference in a long time, but it really is that. I think Tampa is just, and I would, and we're all going to get lambasted because the Islanders are probably going to win game one just because of how this goes. Uh, but yeah, I think the yeah. Lightning are just a better team. I think they are. they are, they've been a better team. They have the chip on their shoulder over the last, the last season's playoffs where they got swept in the first round. Uh, they have that chip on their shoulder. So I think they're just playing with a, uh, with a grudge to, uh, pr- with a, a point to prove. And that's what they're, what we're facing right now. And Tampa is just, they're really, really, they're a really good hockey team. They're the yes, top, dude. they're it's the a- top line that the, the Flyers are trying to, trying to be and beat. Uh, over these next couple years, and like it's a tough task, and that's that's where I think the Islanders have the. the so yeah, I, I think it's a Lightning Vegas final as well, and, that, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's going to be a very very cool final, uh, especially because it's the second time uh, in four years that Vegas has made the final in their four year history. That's, yeah, that's absurd in itself. But yeah. good for and, the good for Vegas. Well, look at Tampa. Tampa's made the conference final the last three out of the last five years, so it's not yeah. like they're they're not familiar from this. They've they've been knocking at the door for the while. That they, they made the final in 2015 against Chicago and lost. In 2017, they went to the conference final against um against Tampa. In fact, 2016, if I'm not mistaken, 2016 they went to the conference final. Also, they went to uh, against against Pittsburgh, and then mm-hmm. 2017 they went against the, the Capitals and lost. Last year, of course, everybody knows they got swept. This year, they're that team that's knocking at the door. That once they get through it, they're going to get through it, and it's going to be um. It's gonna. They're they're finally gonna cross that finish line. I think this year, um, and, and it'll be good for them. But yeah, I mean, I, the thing is though, I still the stars have a little bit of that Cinderella in them. They they just have a team they that just, they, they did yeah. you know winning that game seven in overtime against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, that can really when you have that much of a drama thing going on, that can really propel you in a series. So I wouldn't be surprised. I'm still calling Golden Knights, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Dallas sneak in here. And then can get completely obliterated in the final because right. the matchup wouldn't be there. Yep. So yep. they're a team that's good that's on the cusp. They're there because they 
let's be honest, they got a little bit lucky with the way the uh, the Avalanche had their goaltending issues, or because uh, their starter um, Philip Grubauer got hurt. They went to Pavel Francouz, to Michael Hutchinson. Um, so they had they got there for a little bit of luck, but you need that. Um, they're outplaying the Golden Knights right now, it seems, but it's still only a, a two period, not even two periods in the game one, so that can change very quickly. But I'd yeah. tell you what. Just because the Flyers are out of it doesn't mean there's not good hockey on. There's still hockey, and we still have a week before football starts. So soak it all up. You'll see hockey every night now. It's great. Yeah, this is this is going to be a lot of fun to watch for sure. So if you haven't, if you've only been watching the Flyers, this is a great time to dive into what the top teams look like in in the Eastern and Western conferences. Yes. Like this is what the Flyers are trying to uh, uh, to ascend to, and they're they're closer than we think. I think like that's that everyone is has their hair on fire, and we're ha- throwing out the hot takes. But this team is a very good team, and they're just on the cusp of competing with what these final four teams are doing. Uh, like we said, Dallas is on the Cinderella high. Right now, because of, uh, but they're they're three they're the three seed. They were one of the top four seeds in the in the Western they're good, Conference. They're a good team. They're a good no, they're team. Wrong. Yeah. So are, it's going to be team. a lot of it, it's a lot of fun to watch. So if you if you're looking for what the Flyers are trying to ascend to, this is a great example. Over the next uh, two yeah. weeks, these four teams are very very fun. It's starting the what Eastern Conference starts Monday night at eight o'clock. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But just. Stick with us this entire time. We're going back to our normal weekly uh, schedule. Obviously, there's no more Flyers game, so sadly we can't do our immediate post-game reactions or stuff like that. So we're going back to our weekly schedule, and that's the offseason has officially begun. So like I said, we'll break down the forwards, the defense, the goalies, the coaching, and all that stuff. And then we'll get into dive into the – because the draft is right after the Stanley Cup final. It's right in October, right after that. Then you got free agency, and, and then all of a sudden it's December again, and hopefully we're playing hockey uh yep. all things all things uh go well hopefully we're playing hockey and we'll get into what we expect the season to look like in terms of travel plans bubble cities whatever may whatever the nhl we'll have our predictions of what that's going to look like but we appreciate you this has been a fun season whatever it, it, we have a sour taste in our mouths right now but overall this was a lot of fun i i like i've had a blast doing this with you this this year scott and i can't wait to do it again in december and move on from there and hopefully we're still talking when the, when the next this time next year and the Flyers are in the Eastern Conference final and take that next step forward and we get to see real progression another step in their progression of being contenders in the NHL. That's all this is about. We're having a lot of fun. We appreciate you guys for this abnormal to say the least season in the NHL year. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We'll guys talk to you guys next week and we'll break down everything there. This has been Orange and Backcheck. Give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Orange and Backcheck. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com if you have an email for us. If your thoughts, if you want to call us idiots and say you're not a moron and you think you have a great take on how, how you want to move Claude Giroux even though it's not possible, I'd love to hear it. I'll entertain it. I'll read it on the air. I don't care. Like Just shoot us an email. Orange backcheck at gmail.com it's been a hell of a season we'll talk to you guys next week thank you everybody for an awesome first season we'll see you next year okay i'm over that conversation read two minutes into it too long why do people have actual conversations on f***ing snapchat that's why group texts are made oh man bro why are we still having conversations on snapchat